0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Go Wild. Now, the Go Wild app has added some really cool and exciting functionality to their app. And the first one I want to talk about is the Near Me function. And basically what this does, it allows you to engage and connect with people in your area. You guys can talk about gear. You guys can talk about hunting areas. You guys can talk about what's going on in the woods. And it just allows the users to be more of a community and connect easier. The second part is the gearbox and what the gearbox is it is a an opportunity for the users to not only see reviews on products and see what the go wild community is using in the field what products they're using but it also allows you guys to purchase up to 150,000 products there's there's a shopping function on it so check out the go wild app if you haven't downloaded it to your phone yet you need to and you can do that at any app store that is currently available go wild it's an awesome app check them out welcome back to the iowa sportsman podcast i'm your host dan johnson and today We have returning guest Steve Wiseman back on the show, and we're going to talk about fishing and specifically fishing in the Okoboji Lakes and Spirit Lake. So that's where the content is kind of coming from. But the principles that we talk about, I'm sure, can be used in any body of water throughout the state of Iowa. So we talk about bluegills, walleyes, bass. Uh, perch and a variety, a crappie and a variety of other uh, species. But it's a really awesome episode be, because we also talk about what happens if the fish aren't biting. What do you do? You move to the next spot, you change it up. So I pick his brain. He's been fishing way longer than me. He's a way better fisher than, fisherman than me. I like to bow hunt. He likes to fish. So I figure why not get a guy with a lot of experience on to just talk about fishing in general. So, awesome episode if you're into fishing. But before we get into today's episode, I want to talk about the Iowa Sportsman website. Be sure you guys are visiting iowasportsman.com for tons of articles coming out about, you know, the outdoors in Iowa, hunting, fishing, recreation, anything outdoors, they're putting it out. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Iowa Sportsman magazine. Tons of great articles in there as well. And lastly, don't forget to pick up the hunting atlas, the Iowa hunting atlas. Lots of great information in that atlas. Maps to all the public ground in Iowa, as well as information about each county and each, each section. So uh, it's very helpful, actually. I keep it in my truck. And uh, I... I whip it out every once in a while and check it out, see where I'm at, see if there's anything that I missed or didn't know about. And it's all right at my fingertips because I keep it in my truck. So, uh, iowasportsman.com, subscribe to the magazine. And lastly, make sure you are subscribed to the Iowa Sportsman podcast, especially if you live in Iowa or maybe even a connecting state like Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota, uh north south dakota you know nebraska missouri the the principles that we talk about in this podcast can be used anywhere in the midwest so keep that in mind so subscribe to the iowa sportsman podcast i've been talking too much already let's get into today's fishing episode with steve wiseman in three two one all right, on the podcast today, uh, it's been a while since we've talked, Mr. Steve Wiseman. Steve, how you doing, man?
1: Doing well. How are you doing today, Dan?
0: You know, uh, I'm bracing for these next three days because the temperature is supposed to be hot. It's supposed to be Iowa humid. And, uh, you know, I had to. I even went the extra step to cut uh, some more sleeves off my shirt just so I'm a little bit more comfortable.
1: <laughs> well, just remember, this is... The- Iowa is a state with a tall corn rose, and, and there's a reason for it. And that humidity you're talking about, that that's doing her.
0: Yeah. So I live in, I, I guess, what you would call southern, central, you know, like the east-central east, east central side of the state, and it gets pretty humid around here. What about where you're at, up by the, the Great Lakes?
1: Up by the Great Lakes, um, humidity is really... It, it gets really humid, and uh, today it's about 88, I think, um, about a 5, 10-mile-an-hour wind and total sun and probably 65, 70% humidity at yeah. least. Um, so I was on the water this morning, and we're going to be talking fishing, so I'll be able to talk about that, um, but it, it's it was hot on the water. Thank goodness for the little breeze, and uh, we got off by... Oh, 1130, because that's long enough for a 72-year-old man to be out in the sun. <laughs>
0: Do you ever uh, throw the trunks on and take a dip if it gets too hot?
1: No. If, if you had the shape body I do, you, you don't <laughs> throw trunks on and go in the water. I'm
0: sorry. No, no. <laughs> oh, Yeah. All right, so I reached out to you because I wanted to talk about fishing and, and uh, kind of get your experience with you know Okaboji and Spirit Lake up there, and talk a little bit about what's going on, um, you know, this time of year, this early July timeframe. So I think my first question uh, for you is, when, when you're out trying to fish, and there's also people who are recreational boaters how much of an impact does a recreational boater let's say someone who's skiing or just out for a nice boat ride impact the guy who's out there trying to
1: fish well it really does and i think uh, especially on east okaboji and west okaboji um west okaboji especially um this 4th of july weekend And um, it seems like any time after 11 a.m., but when you hit the weekend, recreational boaters are out, uh, the the jet skis, everything. And uh, that makes it really difficult to fish. Thank goodness they're not out before 10, 11 o'clock. Yeah. Usually they, they wait. And so you can get some good fishing in, but once you get You get the Okaboji chop, and and that's waves coming four different directions. Yeah. Because you've got boat waves from the left, the right, the front, the back, the corner, the corner. I mean, you get them coming from every which way. And if you're trying to troll an area, or even if you're trying to sit with an anchor, that's very difficult to do when you've got three- and four-foot swells moving you every which way yeah so uh you just have to plan smart and and get out there and get your fishing done because the fishing's good that those recreational vehicles don't affect the fish at all yeah uh, so because that's just their environment
0: yeah so they're used to dealing with a lot of boat wake and turn and and uh, you know, yeah. dirty water because of the the recreational boater.
1: Right, right. Okay. And uh, but 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 anyway, um, w- when you're talking West Okaboji this time of year, um, it's great for bluegills. Um, the bluegills were on their beds until say the. Oh, the second week in June, and then they went off the shallow beds. Although I was out with my son and, and two other guys, and and they they wanted to keep bluegills, so I didn't keep any. But but the three of them uh, kept sixty five. Who? Oh. And and uh, so they could have a big fish fry. And um, they they ran mostly eight to nine inches. They were really nice size bluegills. But we were in twenty five foot of water. <clears throat> we had some weeds. But those fish were still spawning. Really. In that deep of water, and that—that's something I've learned over the years. That those Okaloosa fish, bluegills, don't have to necessarily spawn in ten foot, eight foot, six foot of water. They'll—they'll they'll spawn out deep. And I—I uh, I knew they were because the males were still squirting, and uh, they were right on the bottom. You couldn't catch them off the. The big fish off the bottom. They were exactly on the bottom, and that tells me that they were protecting their their beds.
0: Huh. So they were in 25 foot of water and basically scraping the bottom. Yes. What were you guys using to catch? All right, what bait?
1: Well, I I, I was using a, a jigging spoon. It's called a Shucks uh, Jigger Metal. Yep. And and it was made by uh, Charlie and Bev Shucks. And uh, Charlie and Bev own Shuck's Bait Shop on the southwest corner of uh, West Okaboji around the highway by Highway 86. And uh, Bev, uh, Charlie died here a few years ago, but Bev is still making those jigger uh, minnows, and they are so good. They are so good on Okaboji, they're good for Spirit Lake, for perch and, and walleyes. Um, and she's, Bev sells the markets of all over the midwest she's got a heck of a base of uh stores that want those jigger oh. and they're kind of like uh the swedish Pilky, if you remember the Pilky. okay and so so it's it's a long rectangular um bait that has a chain and a hook on the bottom and you jiggle that thing and that chain bounces and and all kinds of colors i like a gold and green color i like a uh, kind of a purple or a burgundy and silver color there are pro- she probably has 20 25 different colors okay and different sizes but <clears throat> you put a at this time of year you put a, a a little red worm or a trout worm a belgian worm whatever you want to call it they're like a garden worm, only they're a lot tougher and a lot more lively. And you buy them at the bait shops. And uh, you drop that down and jiggle that, and that worm is moving, and, and, boy, it's it can be just lights out. The other day when we kept 65, we probably caught 150. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, and we just fish two spots. You know, you go along with your locator, and, and you're you're watching the, the the locator and you watch the weeds and all of a sudden you'll see that school of fish, and you just lock on it and it's either going to be bluegills or it could be some yellow bass. There's some big yellow bass in West Ogaboji, but most likely it's going to be bluegills.
0: Okay, so for as far as this time of year and specifically bluegills, is that their home? this time of year or do they kind of shift back and forth between deeper to middle to shallow water?
1: They've actually kind of moved out to the deeper weed lines, weed beds and, and on West that's in 20, 25, maybe even 30 foot of water. And, uh, sometimes they're over rocks with weeds. Um, I have a a student that I had 25 years ago in school that, um, is a diver over here and he's posted on Facebook some of his diving experiences. Oh my gosh, is that fun? He'll be down in 30 foot of water, 40 foot of water on West. And, and you see what's down there. You see the rocks and you see, uh, just kind of the rubble that's down there. And you see the, the bluegills, you see the bass, you see walleyes, uh, and those fish aren't scared of a diver. Huh? That's they, interesting. They, they just don't. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And, um, so it's really fun because the water's so clear on West. Okay. And, um, a matter of fact, he, he, this is a side story, but, um, Calvin Grosner is the son of John Grosner, who is a guide up here. And about oh, three weeks ago, he, he had just gotten his guy, his diving, uh, licensure or whatever you call it. And this guy wanted to dive. And, uh, Calvin went with him as a buddy thing, and the guy was down in the water in about 30 foot and had a seizure. And he lost that mouthpiece, and and Calvin um, rescued him and swam with him 100 yards back to shore and did uh, uh, mouth him out to keep him alive until the EMTs made it that's that's quite something for an 18 year old kid. Yeah. I think I think I heard that
0: story on the news to be honest with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you might have you might have. Yeah. Huh. So yeah, so that was quite a deal. But any anyway, so I, I watched my my one of my former students his his dive shoots are just it's just awesome. Cool. It's awesome to watch. Cool. But um, in regard but, but anyway, what well, Water is really clear on west anyway. Yeah. I mean, even in, in the summer when it greens up on other shallower lakes, you're still going to be able to see 15, maybe even 20 feet down. Yeah. And so it's clear. And so, um, but but those fish and those bluegills will actually move out and they may suspend over 60 foot of water. Okay. in 30 foot. And uh, I've caught them that way before, where you're just motoring along looking for fish, and you see this school of fish at 30 feet, and you drop it down, and bingo, there they are. But but they but but they're kind of moving around, so it, it's kind of tough to stay on them.
0: Yeah. So, are they suspended typically by structure uh, of any kind, or is it typically just like the the flat bottom where where you're going to find these fish? Uh,
1: I, it, you know, I I think um, they, they they acclimate to structure too. Like I mentioned, the rocks and 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 the weeds, the weed lines, the weed beds. Um, they they acclimate there because that that's where the food is. Yeah. You know, but but they do go they do go off. Say they're in thirty foot of water and they move out. Lots of times they'll just go out into fifty sixty foot of water in that that same thirty foot where they were when they were along the the weed structure
0: okay okay so this time of year other than the bluegills um are people finding success with other species like uh, walleye or crappie or or bass
1: yes 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 matter of fact we were bluegill fishing like i said last week and my my son threw out a slip bobber and a leech Because here a couple years ago, he hooked into a 27-inch walleye while we were doing this. Dang. And so he always throws that out looking for that walleye. And he had caught some nice bluegills because bluegills, the little bluegills will stay away from those bigger leeches. They won't uh, be as aggressive. And anyway, the bobber goes under, and he sets the hook, and he said, no bluegill. Got it in. It was a a 22-and-a-half-inch smallmouth bass.
0: That's a big bass. What what did it weigh, like three-and-a-half?
1: Oh, I think more than that. I think it was pushing five. I oh really wow, do. wow! I really, it, it was a beautiful fish, beautiful fish. Um, so, but but smallies uh, and largemouth bass. Um, people on on like on the Okmulgee's are and <clears throat> even on Spirit, they're always fishing the weeds or they're fishing the docks. Yeah, you know, we, West Okmulgee has all these wood docks. And those docks go out into 10, 12 foot of water. And so you've got bass that are sitting uh, uh, around that wood structure, and they're feeding on little fish and stuff like that. They're resting under the boat hoist. They're, they're sh- under the shade of the dock. And the, those persistent bass guys will, will catch lots of bass doing that. Um the walleye bite, I, I will say, on Big Spirit this year has probably been the best I have ever seen it. Really? Ever seen it. Yes, yes.
0: Why do you think that um, is? There are
1: got, I think because the numbers, the year classes are set up so well right now. Um, the the food and Big Spirit, there's all kinds of spot-tailed shiners. You've got little baby perch baby bluegills, crappies, and stuff like that. And it, there's a w- huge abundance of food. And these fish are fat. Um, <laughs> matter of fact, we were out this morning, uh, a friend of mine, I've got the best of both worlds. He's got a pontoon. My friend has a pontoon on Big Spirit. I have a pontoon on East Okoboji. So if the bluegills are biting, we take my pontoon and go bluegill fishing. If the walleyes are biting over on spirit, we take his. And we went this morning, and uh, we caught our our six walleyes that were under 17 inches. Uh, We caught eight slot fish that were between 17 and 22. We caught three or four that were probably 9, 10, 11 inches. We caught 10 perch. We caught a pumpkin seed. We caught a bluegill, and we caught a crappie.
0: What What's a pumpkin seed?
1: <laughs> it's It's a variety of sunfish. Oh,
0: okay. Okay. And
1: it's it's, it's really a, a beautifully colored. They don't get as big as a bluegill. They're usually smaller, but they're very aggressive and 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 they they kind of look like, I guess, a pumpkin seed. <laughs> um, but anyway, we were fishing. Uh, get this in six to eight foot of water right over the weeds and those fish would come out one time I, I had one rod and a rod holder the other one was by my leg uh at the back of the pontoon and i saved the rod from going out that fish hit so hard yeah and that shallow water they just oh my gosh they hit it hard yeah um but anyway we were using spinners and uh, a leech or a nightcrawler. Nightcrawler is working best. We're using a double hook um, because those perch peck and peck and peck, and so we'll use half a nightcrawler, and that way we can lots of times catch them on that second hook.
0: Okay, okay. So but the
1: walleye fishing on on Spirit, just just to kind of finish this out, yeah. has been incredible, and. You've got, I know of Shane Aiken, who's a guide here. He's had 100 fish days. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And um, some guys are jigging over deep rocks. Yeah. Uh, Some guys are are pulling lead core and crankbaits out in the basin in that 22, 23 foot of water, just going. Some guys are using bottom bouncers and fishing that deep with with, uh, spinners. And crawlers or leeches, Um, and then we were doing stuff in in the shallows over over the weeds, and it's it's just a great walleye fishery right now. And of course, you have to throw back anything between seventeen and twenty-two. Yeah, Um, but but that has helped. At one time, it was a fourteen-inch minimum, and it seemed like all you could catch were thirteen and five sixths, thirteen and seven eighths. Thirteen and a half. So we have the different depths that we can be fishing these walleyes on Big Spirit, and and a lot depends too on if it's windy. You know, Big Spirit is a big dish, and uh, if you have strong winds, that can affect. You can't just fish the whole lake. A twenty mile an hour wind is going to cause issues on one side of the lake for sure. Um, but there there are weeds and weed beds. All across the lake and and to say you need to go try this weed bed well you, you got to try the weed beds because every I talked to a friend of mine that's on another set of weeds on the west side of the lake and and uh, he's been catching them there and so you just you just got to find your area to try it and if uh, there are really good bait shops up here that are able to give good help on on where you can can find these fish. But one thing about the the walleyes on Big Spirit, they are very healthy right now, as I mentioned. Uh, We've got good bait fish and everything. Um, There are satellite lakes, too, like um, over at Lake Park, uh, Silver Lake. That has been a really good walleye lake. Uh, Tuttle Lake, which is on the uh, Minnesota-Iowa border, up by the Oliver, that that thing's four to five feet deep it's been producing walleye since april and i'm not sure about this week but even as of last week guys were crank baiting and and just pulling I just, there's no depth uh change it's just a basin and you just go and they, they've they been catching beautiful fish um a lot of 17 18 19 inch keepers and then every once in a while a bait, 24, 25 or So <clears throat> there are great walleye places to go in addition to Big Spirit. But Big Spirit has kind of been the go-to place uh, over the last several years. And this year has really been outstanding.
0: Yeah. So is there a higher percentage place <laughs> to catch walleye out there? than another like if you only could go one place and do one thing for one hour on the lake where are you going and what are you doing and the reason i'm asking this is just for you know for someone who doesn't have the information that you have for their best chances to catch a walleye yep
1: um boy for this time of year the way things are going right now um if you don't know spots, to me, fishing the basin of the lake with lead core and crankbaits, and and you just go, you're not necessarily working structure then, you're just working the basin, and so you've got marauding fish out there, yeah. and uh, you're going you're gonna to catch perch too, uh, these perch are being really aggressive, When we'll talk about that in a little bit, but... Um, that's what I would do, um, because you're covering so much ground. Yeah. And w- w- when you run these crankbaits, you don't have to have them ticking off the bottom. You know, the, the, the walleyes will, will feed up, you know. And since it's, you're probably moving at two and a half miles an hour, maybe even faster, um, it's going to be a reactionary bite. It's got to be the color. It's got to be the wobble. It's got to be all of that. And that will, they'll react strike. Even on a day when they may not be hungry, it's going to be a reactionary strike to something that they, that flash or that movement. Um, so I, I would do that. Um, if you're a jig fisherman, I, I would, I would uh, take like off of Stony Point. That, that is a very rocky point on the east side of the lake, kind of the northeast side, and it's got lots of rocks, and and it's got weeds, and it's got humps, and all those things. I would work that area. Um, right now, I, I'm just in, into this weed bite. I mean, that's so good right now that, that I'll do that, but each weed bed's a little different and you got to know the weed beds you're going to be on and stuff like that too but so that i don't know did i do one spot dan
0: (laughs) i mean you answered the question right i mean let's be honest if someone's not having luck in one spot they're going to they're going to go move and they're going to move you know it doesn't take an expert fisherman to fit to figure that out so yep. my next question and I want you to answer this question in a general term and what I mean by that is let's try to leave the the species out of it for a moment and if you want to use an example okay. of a of a species you can but okay. what happens when you're out there and all the conditions seem good but the fish just aren't biting right what is your strategy at that point to try to change things up to get them to bite?
1: Well, I'll, I'll, if I've tried different spots doing what I've been doing and it's not working, um, then I've got to change tactics. And I, I love to do slip bobber over rocks the, uh, by the weeds. I love to pull over weeds with spinners. Um, I would go to something different, um, and I would go to the lead core or that type of thing. If there's anything that seems to be this time of year through summer now, it's going to be pulling those cranks over the, over that deep. That's going to work very well. Or if I'm on spirit and and the walleyes just aren't going, I may go fish perch. Okay, um, because there's other options uh you've got perch, you've got a good crappie population, um largemouth, smallmouth bass. So you have other other options. Northern pike if you want to focus northern pike. And uh there is a variation in Big Spirit. It's it's a silver pike. And it's it's a it's a silver color. And the first time I saw one I thought, God, oh, that's I think that's a muskie, but it's not. It's it's a silver silver northern pike. Um but but anyway, there, there are so many different options out there. Um, and right now, when we were trolling with spinners, those perch are just hammering on those um, spinners with a night crawler. And like I say, we we caught ten and probably had another thirty or forty bites. But if you stop in those shallows to fish perch, it's the flash and the movement that makes those perch uh, attack that spinner. And so just sitting there waiting for them, they aren't going to bite like like they do when they attack the spinner. But there has been a good perch bite. It should only get better um, out in the deeper water. Um, again, the, the, there's a basin bite. There's something about that basin. Um, lots of times there... Uh, feeding on red worms on the bottom Um, and um, you you bring them up and lots of times they've got uh, their snout is raw from from eating off the bottom Um, and they're in big schools and they meander and they wander and uh, if you don't know where to go look for some boats <laughs> that's probably the simplest way <laughs> you know if you see what, what one or two boats in an area that doesn't necessarily mean something you see five or six that means there has been perch or they think there will be perch or at one time there are perch um you know and and i mean i call them the perch armada when you have a whole bunch of boats that are fishing in an area um and and they're waiting for the school to come through. And it's kind of funny. You can watch a school come through by watching people set the hook, set the hook, set the hook from boat to boat to boat to boat. Sometimes it's only a boat. And you try to figure out how can that one boat out in the middle, everybody is is around them, and nobody else is getting any. There, there's something causing that school to be in that tight area. Yeah. Um uh, but but again uh, now for the perch out there um uh, I'll use that jigger minnow minnow I was talking about earlier or a yellow and white mini jig um shucks has some that are mini jig that they call a k bait it's one that they make themselves um a slip bobber and and a plain hook um with a tiny minnow um using white worms, silver wigglers um, mealworms. Um, all of those are, are good perch baits. Okay. And, and go ahead.
0: Um, so when it comes to, when it comes to finding fish, right, let's say a guy, I mean, it sounds to me like you have a locator, right? Are yeah. there any, mm-hmm. uh, any trigger points or, uh, identifiers or markers uh that a person can use his eyes for like watching a a current or watching waves break or watching uh where land goes into the lake is there any identifiers there that may help someone find fish that may not have a fish locator
1: well i think wherever there is water running into the lake wherever there is current fish like that current. There's no doubt about that. And there are little tributaries that run into these lakes. Um, Big Spirit right now is probably six inches over full and the water is running over the spillway into East Okaboji. And so there is a current at each of these bridge areas on the Okoboji's there are always fish around those bridges because there's always current. Yeah. Um, a little tougher to fish because people are coming in and out of those bridges under the bridges with their boats, So that makes it a little tricky, you know, unless you're fishing in the evening or early, early morning. Um, but so that, uh, to me, that's the number one thing is, is, is water. Num- number two is just looking at the structure on that lake. If you see a point come out and there's rocks along that point and you can see in the shallows and then that point goes down, you know it's going to be rocky for a while and gravelly. Um, if you see some weeds along with that, most likely there will be fish because weeds will uh, invite little small fish uh, for protection, which brings the big fish which brings the bigger fish, you know. And so, you know, I would look for something like that. Um, truthfully, Dan, I would invest in a locator. Okay. <laughs> I, I yeah. seriously would, because what I do with, with mine, my, my depth finder is just loaded with icons. Every time I find a good place to, to bluegill fish on west, and I'm catching them, I, I create an icon so I can go back to that spot. Now they might move 30 yards, 40 yards, 20 yards. I've got one dock that out in front of that dock, oh, about for about 40 yards, so it's in about 9, 10 foot of water. That dock I have fished since 1980 and Bluegills always spawn there. Yeah. So, so w- w- what the locator does is not only find fish, but when you catch a fish and that's a good fish, you can mark it. And w- with these new locators, you know, if if you're trolling and you catch you catch a walleye and you and you put a mark and you keep going and then you have another one 40 yards later and you mark it and you go another 50 yards and you catch another one you now have a milk run where you can go back and follow that crumb trail right back through those marks and pretty soon you can you can see all your marks as you go back and forth and back and forth and you actually you, you can't get more efficient than that when you're trying to 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 uh keep on fish okay So uh, I, I really think, you know, if if people can, can purchase and can afford a locator, of course, a lot of it has to do, can you afford the boat and can you know, I mean, nothing's cheap when it comes to fishing.
0: Right. (laughs) That's a fact.
1: Yeah, That's a fact. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but, but that's the way it is now, you know, and, and there are times now this is also a good time of the year to float our rivers. Now, you can take just a little boat, just a little John boat, little boat. You may have to portage now because the rivers are getting kind of low. But all it takes is a rod and a reel and a glob, a nightcrawler or something like that. And you you find your your areas where it's washed out or you find a nice sandbar and you set up on the sandbar and you throw it into a... Uh, a a wood bog or something like that, and it's Catfish City. Okay. And and that's not expensive. The only uh, one thing, uh, a friend of mine taught me, you know, they like night crawlers, but they love fresh shrimp. So take some good raw shrimp with you, get some at the store, and cut them up into chunks, and they love, catfish love raw shrimp. Hmm. But this friend of mine had, had, had portaged to a little, little spot where he wanted to fish, and he had put some uh, shrimp in his pocket. And when he got home, he forgot to take the shrimp out. <laughs> and, and then his wife put the pants in the washing machine. <laughs> this this was not a real good deal at all.
0: <laughs> Did he have to sleep on the couch for a couple nights?
1: I think you slept on the river for a while. <laughs>
0: oh, that's funny. That's but, funny. But,
1: but but we have we have these inland rivers, and and when you get on the river, and and you know you you start at one spot and you end up however many miles down, you got to have another a, a vehicle at the end so you can get back up. You know, you, you gotta able to get your other vehicle from where you, you left off but you get inside the banks of that river it's a whole nother world it is just amazing you know and uh, these these little kayaks are just great for that canoes are great for that little john boats great for it um, and and it's it's nothing fancy but you're gonna catch lots of fish you're going to catch fish you might catch some walleye if things are right you get to right little uh, low head dam or something like that. You'll catch walleyes. You might catch a pike. Uh, Carp, you can do battle with carp all day. Um, And you're inside, you don't know where you're at. You just, you think the next turn is where I'm going to, the next turn. Why? I'm getting close to where I'm going to be done. It's around the next turn. Well, the river turns and turns and turns and turns. And six miles can take several hours.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: and, 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 and that's a cool, cool way to fish. It really is.
0: Yeah, man. I, I love catfishing whenever I get the opportunity. I and it, It's very, it's very rare these days just because of, uh, of my lifestyle, I guess, with kids and work and all that stuff, because I put a, mm-hmm. a majority of my mm-hmm. time into bow hunting. So I want to, I want to spend time doing that. If I, I feel like there might be some marital problems if I decide I want to become a fisherman too. <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. I understand that. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I want to ask you a, a question about, uh, and I th- I'm sure you've, you've heard them. I mean, how many years would you say that you've been fishing? You're 72 now. How many years have you been a fisherman?
1: Oh, probably 67. Okay. I would guess.
0: 67 years as a fisherman. In that time frame, have you heard of any wives' tales? Like, if this is happening, then you better get on the water because this fish is biting. And I'll give you an example. One of the wives' tales that I've heard was when the lilacs are blooming, you need to get on the water and fish for crappie because the crappie will bite when the lilacs are blooming.
1: Well, that's one. And also when the cotton is flying on the cottonwood trees.
0: Okay. For, that, that, for crappie the
1: cra- for crappie and for bluegill okay
0: yes. okay any yes. other any yep. other tales uh for walleye or well, catfish you know, or...
1: If, if 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 the winds in the west the fish bite the best
0: okay okay
1: you know is that true if, if the winds in, <laughs> you go when you can <laughs> yeah right right <laughs> uh, um, it, it, you know if the wind well it, you know a wind can be a, a, a big advantage um, on some lakes that are, are, have a lot of sediment, if you get a good wind, say, out of the south, and there may be a point part way down, and that wind continues to blow that sediment into that point, pretty soon you get a mud line. And that mud line is also causing um, bait, bait fish and food to be there, and your bigger fish will be there, too. And that mud line, see it on the Missouri River a lot in South Dakota, um, but that mud line will hold fish, and if it, it could even be five or six feet. Um, I've seen it on Big Spirit a few times, not a lot. Um, but a, a mud line, that's where wind can really be to your advantage. Wind can also be to your advantage if you can drift. Um, and if you can drift, and you say you're drifting spinners, and you can drift about, oh, about a mile to 1.1 mile an hour, um, and you're drifting, and you just let that rod in the rod holder, and as that boat rocks with that the waves, that causes a unique movement to that bait down below. And I've caught more fish doing that than holding that rod in my hand while I'm drifting. Okay. And I think it's that ex- extra movement from that from the boat.
0: Okay. Okay. So this time of year, you've mentioned, you know, you're kind of all over the place. It sounds like you've you've fished for walleye already in the past couple of days. You fish for bluegill in the past couple of days. Is there a fish out there that you absolutely love over everything else? Do you have a favorite, or are you just a fisherman who loves to fish?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for an I answer? knew
0: that was coming. I don't know why I even asked the well, question.
1: <laughs> I, I love to c- catch all kinds of fish, um, but if there's one— I think it's a bluegill, because ounce for ounce, nothing fights as hard as a bluegill. And they will readily bite, but they'll also humble you, because at times they won't bite. And uh, you can catch them more year-round, I think. Um, In clear water, it's awesome to be able to see them and catch them. Um, so I guess they're my favorite, but right, right now, uh, while I perch, um, yellow bass, we have yellow bass and the, and the lakes up here, and they're in a lot of lakes in Iowa, uh, not necessarily native, but, um, we have them and we have some monsters up here that are in that 12, 11, 12, 13 inch range. And that's a heck of a fight when you have, a a yellow bass hit it'll it it's it, it's rod jarring and so they're a lot of fun yeah so i i guess to me it's and if you're going to fish all the different species you kind of have to have and i'm not patting myself on the back but you, you have to know what you're doing kind of yeah you know um or go out with a guide to help show you and then you can replicate that um I had a friend of mine that, that's a guide, and, and he had some friends that wanted to fish walleyes at night on West Okoboji that, that month of May. Okay. And so they asked him questions. And so he told them how fast to go, what colors to use, what size to use, and how deep to go. They came back, and he said, how'd you do? We didn't catch anything. Why? Well, number one, they weren't at the right depth. Instead of being at 8 to 10 foot, they were at 10 to 12 foot. The fish weren't there. Um, They went, say, 1.8 miles an hour. He had told them, go 2.2. So those little things like that, uh, you either learn on your own, by guessing by gosh, or with a friend who has done it before or with a guide so that you have you have a base to start with so that you can then go. Uh, you know, when we fish bluegills on beds on West Okaboji, uh, a lot of people like to use a, a, a little tiny bobber. I take the bobber off, and I'll sight fish those fish, and I'll cast to those uh, bluegills, and I'll pick out. Who and what I want to want to bite and work it, and it, if you use a bobber at that point in the season, you might get one bite for every ten. Okay. And I had a friend f- friend of mine that used a, a little uh, one sixty fourth ounce regular lead head jig. I used the tungsten, and I could get down into the beds, and he was still floating, and it was 10 to 1. The next day, well, I gave him some tungsten so he he, he could start catching them, but there's a difference. Same size bait um, with the same bait on, but it didn't fall the right speed to be able to get to those fish.
0: Huh, that's interesting.
1: You know, and, and the same can hold true. For largemouth bass smallmouth bass northern pike walleye i mean it, it, there are many ways to catch the fish that you you want to target it's it's what you feel confident with and it's what um, is working
0: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely I'll, I'll tell you this my favorite fish to catch i don't know why maybe it's because my past experience with them has been so fun, and it's smallmouth bass on the Mississippi River, and oh God. man, I'll, t- I'll tell you, just throwing a top water early in the mornings, right on some of these mud banks or some of these rock banks where they're they're going in hunting for shiners. Yep. Yep. It's some of the funnest, best fighting fish that I've ever had. I call them the bicep of the river, and uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, so I I myself love catching uh, smallmouth now. We're, we're getting ready to wrap up here, but you told me before we started recording, you had a story that you wanted to tell me about cane pole fishing.
1: Yes. Well, I've, uh, um, I've known, uh, Jason Mitchell for, uh, for a lot of years, and he's a great fisherman has a great show up there. Um, um, out of devil's Lake and he goes all over the Midwest and he's on the Fox sports network and stuff. And, and then there's Kevin Paul, who is a guide out of Clear Lake. And um, Clear Lake has a, a, a nice set of reeds, pencil reeds and stuff like that, and, and a pretty good base of, of crappies right now. And But you can't get into uh, these weeds very well. And if you do, you're going to break down and kind of destroy that <clears throat> reed bed. So he had jason come down and they did they did a show if you want to watch it just just google cane pole crappies and you'll get jason mitchell and kevin paul they used 20 foot fiberglass cane poles and they dipped yeah is what they did they they moved up and they got at the edge of that um mat of of reeds and then they reached out and they dipped into little spots that were the size, of maybe a foot around or six inches or whatever. And they, they were using minnows because that's kind of what they were going on, just a little, uh, a little uh, jig and a minnow, And they'd dip it down and they'd hold it there and jiggle the end of that cane pole. And then the end of the cane pole would load up just a little bit. And Kevin would say, you got to wait until they get it in that big old paper mouth and then set the hook. Now, when they set the hook, everything was done above water. They would pop that crappie out. The crappie would come walking or <laughs> flopping across the top of the reeds and into the, the boat. Because you could not pull them through, you'd never make it. And they didn't use a bobber because a bobber would get caught up on those reeds too. So it was straight cane pole, a little jig, a minnow, and and dipping.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll be honest. I've seen more people with cane poles just driving around taking my kids to state parks recently than I have in, in the past. So it seems like it's growing in popularity a little bit.
1: I think it is. I think it's kind of a renewal. Yeah. Cane pole, you know, you, that's something from 100 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the old ba- bamboo cane poles, you know. Yep, yep. But well, it's, it, you know, uh, again, it's an art.
0: Yeah, it is. I've
1: watched those guys, and it's 20 foot as long. Yeah. And that takes, it takes muscle to do that. Yeah. Reach that way out there and jiggle it, and then pop that fish out and bring it back in. I mean, you you can't just say I'm going to go throw a cane pole out. That that doesn't do it. Yeah. And and they only had like three to four foot of line on the end of that cane pole because they weren't going to play them; they were going to horse them out of there.
0: Yeah. Huh.
1: And so it was. And and they were catching twelve to fourteen inch crappies
0: i wonder if that's something that would i wonder if that's something that would teach kids how to fish better you know not not teaching them how to cast right away just throw you know reaching a a small cane pole out there dipping a a little worm or a lure and letting those bank fish i think so yeah
1: i think so i think so and if you can get on a dock you know and, and a lot of these uh lakes and and stuff have docks now, fishing docks, where people can go and you can do exactly what you're talking about. And uh, the, these docks, again, provide habitat, provide shade, and so you are going to attract fish to those areas. And <clears throat> and even, like you say, bank fishing. Uh, my, my father-in-law's older brother... Had a a mentally handicapped son, and Tom was a fishing fanatic. He would sit by the hour, and and we would go out to the Missouri River, and they would take a long cane pole and a big bobber and put a chub on it and help Tom get it out there. And Tom would sit there by the hour. And I tell you, that kid caught more (laughs) five to ten pound northern pike. Oh my gosh, you 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 didn't know how does that rock do not that break? Yeah, you know, yeah,
0: <laughs> man, that's awesome. That's awesome.
1: But but but, but Tom, Tom taught me a very valuable lesson about fishing, and that's patience. Yeah, that's a fact. You know, too to, too often we we don't catch something in five minutes. We got to move. We got to do this. We got to do that. Well, let's kind of analyze the situation and, and, you know, if the fish are here, let's see if we can get them to go rather than just hopping and hopping and hopping.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the truth, man. That's the truth. I, I fall under that category, believe it or not, of they're not here, let's go. Or they're not biting, let's go. You know, and not and not yeah. switch it up a, a bit on them. But... Well, I tell you what, Steve, uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and chat with us again. Uh, hopefully you get out and your uh, your hot streak continues with getting fish in the boat.
1: Well, I, I sure hope so. We're, we'll keep trying. When you're 72, every day on the water is better than any day was of work ever.
0: <laughs> That's, that is a fact. That's the truth. Thank you for your time, man.
1: Uh, you bet. Thanks, Dan.
0: And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Huge shout out to Steve for taking time out of his day. I mean, he's retired, so the only thing he's doing is fishing anyway. But thank you very much for taking time out of his day to hop on and chat with us. Thanks to all of you for listening. And be sure to check out iowasportsman.com, the Iowa Sportsman Magazine, and subscribe to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast. Hopefully everybody has a safe, very safe, 4th of July. And uh, don't overdo it. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you next week.